I'm Charlie from CookingSecretsForMen.com and we're continuing our series, Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders. And I'm very pleased to have as my guest today, Thelma Sias. Thelma? Good morning. Good, Good seeing morning. you again. Beautiful. It's a beautiful Saturday morning here in Milwaukee. Um, you're the president of the Sias Group and we'll talk about that and we'll talk about your, um, your work in the community when you're, we entered these for uh, the majority of your career. Yeah. But I want to start at the beginning. I want to start with your your growing up years, your formative years. Um, so you're born in Mississippi. Yes. Um, raised on a family farm. Mm -hmm. And your parents were very involved in the civil rights so movement. Yes. So talk about that and its effect on your formative years and how uh, it helped um, get you to the next point in your life and make the foundation of basically who you are today. Well, I'm very proud to tell people day in and day out that I was born in a small, unknown town called Myersville, Mississippi, part of the Mississippi Delta. Mm -hmm. Raised, had the honor to be raised by both of my parents, my mother and father, the late Roosevelt and Pauline Sias. Uh, I am one of 11 children, the fifth of 11 and the second of five girls. And my parents raised me on a farm in Mississippi, a farm of land that we own, uh, 387 acres of land. Oh. So my dad uh, taught me how to drive a tractor. Uh -huh. My father would take me squirrel hunting with him, and my father showed me how to use a 30-30 rifle. So if you want to bring it, I got uh, the background <laughs> in that. And because my parents, I'm glad I'm a friend of yours. <laughs> because my parents owned uh, land at a time when it wasn't popular for black farmers to have it, there were times, Charlie, when my father planted cotton, and um, there were times we would stay out of school sometimes six weeks because we had to pick the cotton because my father couldn't get uh, the FHA loan to be able to rent a combine. Um, and I never forget one day we were picking cotton, we would hire other people to pick as well. The school bus came on the end where we were and the kids out of the bus were screaming and yelling, making fun, calling my name, my brothers and sisters' name. Oh, Thelma and Jean and Jackie, them. Uh, they didn't come to school this week and they didn't come last week because they're in the cotton field. Look at them in the cotton field. And I was humiliated and embarrassed by that. And I can still see and hear my father's voice. My father came over. My parents always called me Ann. That's why I'm Thelma A-size. My father came over and said to me, he said, Ann, your mother and I feel bad that we have to keep you all out of school. But you, we explained to you, you all, that we couldn't get the loan. He said, the kids making fun of you on the bus are going to plantations. You're picking cotton on your own soil. So the strength of who my parents were and their actions helped to build um, what I call a foundation around me. Okay. That I can stand up when the punches are hard. That I can speak out when other people think it should be said. Because I've seen the model so well. I. The idea that my parents raised 11 kids, sent us all off to college with a combination of academic degrees uh, and athletic uh, uh, opportunities, but they still believe that a world should be better. And even though they had to take chances and risk to make that betterment, they stood up for it. And they said to us every day, my parents raised us every day with a basic principle. Treat every person you meet with the same dignity and respect you so desire. That's sad. They sound like wonderful parents and that it, the stories that we've talked about in the past, um, they certainly set the foundation for who you are today. Yes. Um, 
so let's talk about uh, the next steps. You went to college in Atlanta, mm -hmm. Clark College. Mm -hmm. Got a bachelor's in uh, political science. Mm -hmm. Minor in English, yeah. Oh, minor in English, okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then you um, found your way to Wisconsin, mm -hmm. up in Green Bay, I believe. Yes. In Green Bay. And then eventually migrated down here in Milwaukee mm -hmm. to work for an alderman. Yes. So talk about that um, post-college uh, part of your career. To have the opportunity to go to the big city of Atlanta, Georgia, to go to college. First of all, my older sister went to Clark. Mm -hmm. So having her come home during Christmas break and talk about the big city and having people like Andy Young and um, Julian Bond and um, um, Congressman uh, Lewis, they, they were in and out of Mississippi a lot. So uh -huh. knowing that they had that Atlanta connection. So I got, I was in the field top and cotton. My aunt got the call that says I had been admitted to Clark uh, College and that I was going to be awarded a presidential scholarship to go. I was thrilled beyond words. I'm going to the big city of the Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it was a life-changing experience to go to school at Clark. Sure. I'd gone to, we had integrated the middle and high schools in my home, uh, surrounding hometown. Mm -hmm. So I had been in a predominantly white educational environment. To be able to go on a college campus and see African-American men and women, doctor this and doctor that, uh, guiding my educational experience was an incredible thing for me. I met people from all over the world, right. both between professors and uh, classmates. Um, and I had many experiences, you know, because Clark is part of a, a AU campus. So I, worked, I took classes at the Morehouse College, the all-male college. Uh -huh. I took classes at the Spelman, the all-female college. And I got the opportunity in my freshman year to meet uh, Marty, uh, Dr. King's son, Martin uh, uh, III. And I never forget that Marty took me to the house. And I walked in, and there were all of Dr. King's shoes upside the wall where he marched from one part of the country to the other. And even today, he and I talk a lot about how his father was gone so much and how other people would cry and react about their dad, and he cried because so often he was gone. So I went to school in Atlanta. I got an opportunity. Uh, because I was majoring in political science, I spent a lot of time in political activities. My, my uh, lead professor, believe that we should have real college experiences. Right. So I worked on Andy's young, uh, Andy Young's first campaign when he ran for the U.S. Congress. Uh -huh. We lost that campaign, but we learned a lot about how to campaign. I worked on Maynard Jackson's bid when he ran for mayor of the city. Right. And I had an experience. Well, he won that, right? He won that. Yeah. yeah the mayor. Uh, but I got an experience to go my junior year in college, uh, at the end of my junior year, the beginning of my senior year, to go to Washington, D.C. We were sponsored by Andy as congressional interns. And I worked for then Congressman Walter Fontroy. Ah, uh, and I, my hometown uh, met, delegate. That's him, that's him. And I, uh, Andy sponsored, Congressman Young sponsored us, so he lived in the building, and we would go over and eat because you, college students, we didn't have any money. And so he said he was having guests this, that evening, so we had to be on better behavior. The doorbell rang, and this person walks in, and the voice says, Hello, Congressman Young, how are you today? It was Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. <laughs> I, 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 all I could think about, how many times have I listened to her tapes to right. hear her voice? And there she said, just this commanding resource right. of a person. And so I, I, I've been exposed to and experienced with 
uh, some of the most extraordinary leaders of, uh, of our time. And I will never forget the little thing, uh, Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, she could rouse up a rope. She could, really could. So after having that congressional experience, I came back to campus. I graduated. And on graduation, my mother and my grandmother took a plane for their first time and came to Atlanta. I was going through some things at the house here in Milwaukee, and I found the photograph of my mother on one side of me and my grandmother on the other side of me. Of course. It was it, the idea that all of their doing and all of their doing without, they were there sharing that big moment with them. And everyone wanted to, of course, stay on in Atlanta. Um, I got a call that says uh, they want to interview me to bring me out to a college campus to uh, manage the uh, recruitment and, and retention of uh, minority students. Well, it was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'd never been to Green Bay. So I get off the plane in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh -huh. And party time is party time for real. I, you know, they kept asking me about these Green Bay Packer names, and I didn't know what they were talking about because I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so I didn't, Dallas Cowboy, I didn't know what they were talking about. So I, I worked at the uh, UW Green Bay for six years, uh -huh. um, uh, recruiting, retaining students. I came to Milwaukee often in the recruitment process, uh, made some incredible friendships and relationships. With, and so I, I've learned, I've built some relationships, some friendships that have been my lesson learned uh, people, but they also have been the ones that have helped to frame the questions and the issues and how do we get to solutions for change, right. um, not only in Milwaukee, but all over the country. Okay. So that will go nicely with um, moving from working for, was this Howard Fuller was the alderman? No, Howard was uh, uh, involved in education issues. Uh, Roy B. Neighbors okay. was alderman of the first aldermanic district right. and pastor of Community Baptist Church. Well, it, so leaving, working um, for, uh, for in with city government, moved over to, at the time, Wisconsin Gas, mm -hmm. about 86. Mm -hmm. um, and then Wisconsin Gas became Wisconsin Electric, mm -hmm. which is, and now it's known as We Energies. Yes. And you were there for... 30 plus years? 30 years. 30 years. And you retired as the VP of Local Affairs and mm -hmm. you were on the foundation, the We Energies Foundation Board. Mm -hmm. um, so talk about how um, in a corporate world, um, trying to affect change, and We Energies is not a local Milwaukee company, it's mm -hmm. a regional one. Mm -hmm. So you're effect, trying to affect change not only in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. but regionally. But totally what, what I know is a fact is that no one is successful in their careers or in life's journey all by themselves. We all need a variety of people um, at the table, in the room, as we negotiate for change and progress. Um, and I look back on my 30 years at We Energies uh, now, and I can, I can remember the, the things about it versus the stress of the day-to-day -day of trying to manage um, being the voice for a major utility, uh, being in a community that a utility served, and a community where sometimes um, they were not as uh, satisfied with what we were able to do. Leadership that understood that things could not stay the same in order to progress and meet the bigger needs of a community. Mm -hmm. I, I work with men and women every day who lived across this community, and they believed that there was always something more we could do um, to balance the process of how people get served, 
what do we do to serve and what are the, what are the flexibility needs to meet what people were going through. So it, it, there were incredible moments in design and organization within the uh, utility organization that uh, we were all learning a lot. And there were often times when we were pushing and pulling, uh, everybody pushing for what they thought was the best solution and others pulling for what we knew was a different way. Um, and learning how, learning how after all of my life experience of being able to hear, but also being able to listen. Because see, when you hear, you're listening with your ears. But when you, when, when, when you really listen, you can hear all of the things that people are saying. Not just the words they're saying where they agree or disagree with you. But now you are able to have compassion for the way they think things should be because of the conditions they are in. And, and being in a, a, a role where I was managing the approval for this uh, utility in major communities, there were times when you could hear things from people that you thought, you know, this is not what we need right now in order to get this kind of success. So how do we keep listening and breaking off the pieces and letting all of us be a win? And being able to both be a winner and know how to be a loser but also treat people with that dignity and respect people my mother raised me with. And that was challenging times, because there were times when um, people thought very differently about what we should do, and they, they weren't reluctant to tell us that. Have there been any times since we've been alive that aren't challenging times? No, it's not. Uh, but, but what I... Like what today. I, yeah, like today. But what I know that I look back on is that, and I encourage all of us to do this, to look at our life story. And... As I look back on mine, I realized that early in my life, there were men and women who were planting the seed and building the fence around me so I could be in the battle for the outcome that we need to have. Um, I look back and I now know I, I was blessed to have both of my parents. I had a grandmother, my mother's mother. My grandmother couldn't read nor could she write, but she was such a thoughtful and thought-provoking person. You know, she told me over and over again, she said, you don't ever let anyone take you out of the game. You don't ever let anyone know what it is they could do and say to get you out of the game. Because when you're out, you can't affect the outcome. Genius. She was a genius. I mean, she, she could, uh, I got suspended from school in the eighth grade and she came over. I didn't see that in your bio. <laughs> oh, it's not the often. She came home and she asked me why I was home and I was trying to explain to her what suspension meant. <laughs> and she said, well, you don't have to explain it to me, that big word, because it must mean you can't go to school because you're here at the house. She said, Where, where's the young lady that you got in the fight with? I said, well, she's at school. And that's what she told me. Don't ever let anybody know what they can do, how they can do it, and when they can do it to take you out of the game. And it's been a lifetime. I love these stories. Um, so, you have a list of honors and awards that's very long, and I have a partial list here. Um, uh, top 100 power brokers in Milwaukee, it's Milwaukee Business Journal, that came right. out this year. Um, Savoy Magazine, 2016, list of the top influential women in corporate America. You received the 2017 Leadership Award from the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, mm -hmm. uh, named uh, 2020 Woman of the Year by United Way of Greater Milwaukee. You're recognized as a woman of influence by the Milwaukee Business Journal, 
uh, Milwaukee Urban League, established the Thelma A. Sias Fellows of Distinction Award in your honor, and the list goes on. It's, a, it's quite the list. So um, since you retired from um, We Energies, mm -hmm. um, you've uh, started your company, the Thelma, uh, the Sias Group. Mm -hmm. So um, talk a little bit about um, the things that you're working on, the things that are important, uh, what, and the things that you might want to uh, see accomplished uh, in both the short term and, and longer term. Well, Charlie, I, I have appreciated any and all of the awards recognitions I've received. Um, but as I, each time I've accepted an award, I say the same thing. Um, I am the person sitting with you now, and as I've stood at podiums, because of the hard work of men and women uh, who come before me. Right my parents and so many others. And because I have worked for 30 years with some talented both men and women that have pushed me forward and given me opportunity and exposure. Um, and because I have had the support of my husband, Steve Adams, who mm -hmm. is the love of my life, my greatest cheerleader, and the one who will pull my coattail more times than I want to pull. But he is uh, the strength uh, beneath my wings. So, I, um, after finishing, uh, retiring, I, I spent a lot of time doing public speaking. So the science group is uh, my umbrella to move about the city, uh, the state, and the country. Talking about significant issues, and significant issues for me, is the inclusion of women in leadership. Mm -hmm. Is the inclusion of a diversity of women in leadership, and an inclusion of women from a diverse background in diverse areas of leadership. Uh, we are still living in a time when, where there are some people who think that there are some jobs women shouldn't have. And we're still living in a time when there's question about the power of a woman in leadership. You know, I spent, in my 30 years, I've, I've had people tell me about I shouldn't have a job because of my gender, and I shouldn't have a job because of my race. I shouldn't have a job because of my age. So I'm spending time trying to build the foundation around the men and women who get it and let's build the next generation that will get it and the next generation and the next. Um, I've always enjoyed politics. I used to think I wanted to run for political office until I became a congressional aide and spent time in, in the real world of politics. Right. So I spent a lot of time in uh, political environments. Um, supporting political candidates. In fact, uh, you uh, previously had Congresswoman Gwen Moore on. I'm a part of the Finance Committee uh, for Congresswoman Moore. I spent a great deal of time with Senator Baldwin uh, sure. uh, pulling and uh, looking at process. Uh, I, I'm, I still serve on a number of boards right. uh, in Milwaukee, and I'm, I'm always working to look at how what is it that we're doing from a national standpoint to be supportive to what the Boys and Girls Club need, United Way needs, the Soldier on a Peace Center. So w where I am now, I have greater flexibility and less uh, restrictions and eyes watching what I'm doing, I think anyway. Um, I'm trying to impact the capacity to build future generations of leaders. I am I'm a firm believer that none of us should stay in a role forever. Right. We must build the pipeline, the capacity for future leaders in this community. We, we must be courageous enough 
regardless of how successful we think we have been and believe that we have been, to pass that baton of leadership on to the next generation that must impact change. But in order to make sure we're passing it on to them so that they can impact change, we've got to get back out of their way. We've got to hear them. We've got to work along with them now. Uh, they too must get comfortable. Uh, as a young man said to me, he said, um, you know, you senior citizens don't like to interface with us young people. And I said to him, I, I said, I'm hopeful that one day you'll get an AARP job. So it has to go both ways. You know, I, I do a lot of work with um, uh, some of the uh, uh, leadership development groups um, so that we can talk about the honesty of, of transition of power and change and deal with, you know, there's some issues that if we're going to change and continue to change and build a nation that we all can be proud of, there's some things we got to be honest about. This issue of race and racism, gender bias, the socioeconomic, this whole notion that we still need to have uh, a, a, a capacity of have-nots. No, we have, we've learned from all of that. We should be better than that now. So I'm, I'm concerned about issues, and I, I spend time, uh, uh, as someone told me, said, when you're the expression is you're only supposed to have a, like a three cents worth of advice. He said, uh, why do I feel you come in here with a fresh hundred dollar bill worth of advice? I said, I may not get to see you again, so I want to make sure I leave a good stack of things for you to think about. Oh my. So, Eddie, you are absolutely one of the unquestioned civic leaders within this community. I mean, you are, um, like you said, many, many boards, you're, uh, you're well known everywhere. And you, <laughs> there's one person, if you know, when she walks into the room, you know she's here, you know Thelma's <laughs> here. Um, so I've, I've always appreciated the work that you've done in the community and you continue to do it, not under the umbrella of a corporate environment, but um, as an individual, so you kind of get to set your own course, so that's mm -hmm. wonderful. So, all right, so we call this Serious People with Serious Jobs, <laughs> having a little fun. We're gonna have a little fun today. Um, and before, I'm not gonna forget to give an apron. So I'm gonna give you this apron. Okay. Um, so you don't get your nice clothes all dirty. Okay. So what are we preparing today? Well, what we're preparing today, as you as you mentioned, I was born and raised uh, on a farm in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So, um, being the second of five girls in the middle, uh, the fifth child, I spent a lot of time being a support mechanism to my mother uh, in raising my siblings. Mm -hmm. um, and in working the farm, we raised uh, all kinds of products on the farm. The greens, the peas, the sweet potatoes. Uh, we had peach trees, pear trees, apple trees. Um, and what I now know is, you know, we always used to wonder, how come we have so many acres of sweet potatoes? It's just, then we thought, counting up all of us, I guess that is a lot of sweet potatoes. But <laughs> what my parents were doing, because we had land, right. they would plant additional products so other families could come and pick sweet potatoes and uh, pick corn so right. they could provide for their families. So I'm going to uh, prepare today one of my mother's uh, sweet potato uh, one of many sweet potato process. My mother, we baked sweet potatoes. My mother made sweet potato pies. She made sweet potato souffle. She just sweet potato, sweet potato. But interesting, as I travel around the country and I get a menu in a, in a restaurant, I see sweet potato fries. We never French fried the I sweet potato. Them. I love them though. Yeah. And I was like, Mama, just didn't get to that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to do um, a sweet potato recipe. And because we, uh, always ate from the garden. I'm going to do a, a fried corn recipe of hers as well um, using um, uh, what I consider 
not, we don't, I didn't have any fresh corn, so I'm using frozen corn okay. because I, I, I'm always looking at the sodium level and I try to stay out of the can and try sure. to stay with uh, fresh foods. Okay. All right, so uh, we're going to do a little southern cooking, um, all for the most part fresh, and then we're going to, um, we've done some prep work, we'll be over here in just a minute, we'll put it together, and then uh, we're going to have to taste it. By all means, I want all you right. to taste it. I, right. I want the record to be clear that the southern girl, Frankie Beverly and Mays had a song, Southern Girl, You're the One. That's, yeah. He wrote it about me. Oh, good. <laughs> good to know. All right, so give us a minute to, to get set up, and we'll be right back. All right, so Thelma's going to walk us through what we're doing here. Well, as I said, we're doing um, a sweet potato dish. My mother's, it's a simple sweet potato dish. And what I encourage you to think about when you're going to the store to buy a sweet potato, hold your hand out and buy one that's center in your hand because that's, that's a good size. You uh -huh. can manage it well. And one of the things about my mother's sweet potato dish, uh, and because we didn't have to buy them at the store, we just go out to the garden and pull them. It's so important to get a one of size, but when you're working with a sweet potato and you're going to use it in a, in a, a recipe, wash it well, wash it really, really well, and the test to see if it's clean is to take a piece of paper towel, wet it, and wash the sweet potato, and every time you wash, the paper towel will tell you if there's any dirt on it. Absolutely. So in this recipe, a good tip. In this recipe, you can both peel the sweet potato, slice it, and put it in the dish. Or you can uh, take the sweet potato, wash it, and put it in water and, and boil it. Okay. And this is the and once you boil the sweet potato, thing to remember is only boil it enough for the sweet potato to become tender but not mushy. You line it in your casserole dish, and to tell you the inside secret about this recipe, you line it in the casserole dish. You take sugar. I use white sugar. That's what my mother always used, but mm -hmm. you can use brown as well and you cover the sweet potato totally. In my recipe, I use two cups of sugar because I like a lot of juice in my sweet potatoes. And then you put just some plain butter. Okay. I generally use a whole stick of butter on it because I, I'm not, I still haven't learned how to cook a small quantity of food. Because not not always, up to scaling yet? I, I, I haven't figured it out. The whole time Steve and I uh, dated, he would always, when he'd come, he said, are we having guests? I said, why do you say that? He said, you have so much food. I still haven't learned how to scale. Now, the next dish I'm going to make is, again, I was born and raised on a farm, and I'm proud to tell you all, the farm that my parents raised us on is now incorporated as the size family farm, so it is still a legacy in our family and always will be. So, this is what we're going to do. Corn, I always use, I like fresh corn, but this is a frozen batch of super sweet corn. Uh, the first thing I'm going to do I, I know you can buy the imitation uh, bacon, but a southern girl really cooks with the real thing. Real bacon mm. and real bacon grease up in here. So we're going to put this in the dish. And the other good tip about cooking, always pre-warm a pan because that gives, now the, the, uh, you're not, you don't burn any of your ingredients because the pan is familiar to the temperature. It's already warm. It seasons the pan really, really well. We may want to turn that down just a pinch. Okay. But that, no, leave it up because I'm going to drop the corn. Leave it up. Leave it up. Just let it get a real nice I, and hot. One of the things okay. I remember my grandmother doing is uh, whenever we had bacon, she'd save the, the, save the bacon grease and it'd be up a can up right. on the, the on stove. The stove. Yep. Yeah. yeah, or a mason jar. The, the thing I'm going to do with the corn, I, I add a little flour. 
in the corn to give it some context. Okay. Just a little bit. I am going to put some of the leftover sugar for my uh, sweet potatoes. And as you notice, I'm not using the measuring spoon. Never figured out how to use that. Just put it in there to taste. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I do, I use salt-free seasoning. Okay. And that's, again, looking at making sure you're managing this level of sodium and how you're preparing food. So you can find it in local stores. Salt-free, it has all of the mixed vegetables in it. And I, I'm pretty liberal about... Like onion, I'm, garlic. Garlic, all of it's in oregano, there. Thyme. Yeah, oregano, all of it. There you go. Uh, so it's good for seasoning. Right. Okay? We're going to mix this corn up. Now, I'm a big chicken broth and vegetable broth user. Mm -hmm. I didn't put any in there today, but we're going to just... You see how nice and crispy the bacon is? Yes. Good flavoring. <laughs> There's a little extra oil in there. Mm. So when the corn hits the pan... Now you know it's right, okay? I generally like a little vegetable. Uh, we'll just saute it a little bit. We're gonna, no, I won't. I'm gonna put a pinch of water in it. Okay. But you see how nice, this is a nice filling um, dish. It's easy to make. You can take it and add it to a, a, a meal and uh, fill yourself and others, you know? And I encourage, I, uh, my nieces and, and nephews always, when they come to my house, they're always like, you know, Auntie, you know, have you at the stove cooking something? Because I think, you know, it's important for both uh, women to know how to cook, but men to know how to cook as well. And I know some excellent uh, uh, men at, uh, at the stove. My husband makes the best French toast uh -huh. and hash browns in the world. Mm. In fact, when he comes back in the city, we're going to have you guys over for brunch so you can have and his coffee blend that he does. I'm you ready. See, you see how nice that looks? And I'm going to drop a little butter as well in here. And we can, you know, because you're using a salt-free seasoning, you can always add more. Gives that nice look to it so it's not, the corn is not alone, the bacon is not alone, you're creating a good look with it. I'm going to put a drop of water in here. I'm going to cut a little piece of butter because butter is such a good this is this is one of my golden rules of cooking. There's no such thing as too much bacon. <laughs> I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And here's the second rule. There's no such thing as too much butter. Too much butter, no such thing. Uh, I put I added some water to take the rest of the flour base out of the bowl. Okay. And I'm gonna stir that so in. It'll thicken it just slightly. Slightly. And the butter is also another good thickener. Yeah, it really is. But that little bit of flour. Sometimes when I make this dish, I use I will use a can of cream style corn mm -hmm. to mix in. But I generally prefer to let see if this cooks down just right. A few more minutes for that corn to have its complete boil, and we're going to put the lid on it. Now here we go again. The, the wonderful thing about this sweet potato dish we're doing, we have it in the oven for the sugar to melt and the butter. It creates this incredible juicy. For the sweet potatoes and it's going to be just tasty soon as all of the sugar when the sugar melts down it's it's going to be very very clear you know one of the nice things about doing this in the oven like this everything is already here all you have to do is every now and then check on it you know it's ready when all of the sugar has completely dissolved and again remember if we have leftover sweet potatoes they're easy to put in the in a, a dish and put them in the refrigerator turn them on uh, or you can put them in the freezer, and when you want some, then all you have to do is go and um, put them, take them out and put some more butter on them and put them in the oven. 
All right, so we got the sweet potato just about ready. The corn looks like it's just about ready. You can see that bacon. Mm -hmm. mm, yum. All right, so we're going to get everything off the stove, put it on the table, and then we're going to sit down and eat it. All right, here we are. And guys didn't get to see what was going on behind us uh, during the uh, uh, <laughs> getting ready. So that's sometimes the best conversations that go on, the stuff that we're not really going to show. Uh, so, Thelma. Just tell us a little bit what we got here. Again, Charlie, we have my mother's uh, uh, southern recipe of stewed sweet potatoes. Uh -huh. Sweet potatoes, butter, sugar. And? Fried corn. Plenty of bacon, fr uh, frozen corn. Lots of bacon. Yeah. All right. So, Thelma, why don't you go ahead and start with the bacon? Well, well let me do this, Charlie. Okay. In our household, my uh -huh. mother said over and over again, each time we sit at a table and have the opportunity to have a meal, we should take a moment and say grace and be grateful for the opportunity to be Absolutely. fed. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace and mercy of this meal. May there be opportunities for others who have not that they do. In thy name, amen. Amen. And now the food will taste even better because we've done all the things we were raised to do. See how great that corn looks, Oh, I'm You're my buddy, so I'm going to give you some first. Oh, well, you're the guest, but okay. No, you know, in southern households, my mother always said, treat your guests well. There okay, go. there but, you go. But you're at my place. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I understand what you're saying. So yeah. that's good. Okay. All right, so this is hot. So yeah. I'll let you go. I'll get you. Mm. Mm -hmm. There we go. Just half it. Oh. Just so, half? Never mind. Put a little extra juice on it, Charlie. That makes, that's that's when you really know you're eating well. Wow. Mm. All right. I need to get me some all right. Here I've comes been the smelling test. this for as long as we've been cooking, so I'm ready to. And we we have a cloth napkin and everything, Charlie. This is the moment. Oh yeah. And they're they're not mushy. I stayed in just a little longer, but they have the right taste to them. Mm -hmm. I do like sweet potatoes. These are mm -hmm. delicious. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, I better taste this corn and see if it's any good with all this bacon in it. <laughs> what do you think? Mmm. Mmm. Good meal. All we needed was just a little cornbread muffin. And we've been right from the size farm itself. That experience taking things that were raised in the soil. Do you make uh, cornbread? Yes. We used to, because of the size of the family, my mother had this unusually large square pan. And my father was one of those guys that always had to have the corners. So there was always a lot of cornbread at our house. <laughs> a little cornbread. A lot in the, not as much in the summer, but definitely in the fall yeah. and Soup. the winter. Mm -hmm. Soup. Soup and chili. Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Anything that even pretends to be from the South, <laughs> you gotta have cornbread with it. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't do bad with the corn, Charlie. Turned out well. Cor well, the corn is—I don't—I don't know how to say it. It's—it's it's so good. It—it <laughs> it almost overshadows the sweet potato, which is delicious. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, there's no bacon in the sweet potato. <laughs> there's plenty of bacon in the in the corn, which is. But what we—but what we've done here today, we've taken simple things. Mm -hmm. Added a bit of flavor and taste to it, and um, helped uh, all of us know that um, a great deal of love and respect and dignity, even with the small things of food, can change the environment and the nature of things around us. Um, so we spent the time getting in good trouble today uh, to make a beautiful meal. We had a great time. So Thelma, thank you so much for it's, coming out today. It's a treat. I'm looking forward to having you at the house when we put the real stuff on. I'm the looking forward too. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the work that's being done in the community by, by you and the people that you're um, surrounded with and the, the various boards and, and organizations that you're aligned with, um, I mean, every day you're working towards making our city a better place, and it is so, so appreciated. Um, and hopefully um, Milwaukee is your home for the long haul, and you're not going to be like some people that are going to end up moving. Um, <laughs> well, you know, and, and I thank you so much, and I want to say thank you to you uh, for having the vision to create an ability uh, to bring community leaders in and take something as familiar and as kind as food to be able to talk about leadership and the outcomes of things we want to have happen. So thank you for that. And the other thing I want to say, we all can make a difference. Absolutely. As small as we may think it is, it's a powerful difference in the lives of other people. So we all should get up every day asking ourselves that question, what is that difference? And it doesn't always mean we have to go out into a community of unfamiliar. If we pick up the phone with family and friends and simply say, how are you doing today? Right. What can I do? Here's some resources of things I think it could be helpful. And do it with that dignity and respect my mother and father raised us about. Uh, we can keep moving forward in a nation to continue to make it a great place to be. Absolutely. Well said. All right. Well, thank you so much to Thelma for coming by. We have this show every week. We talk to our community leaders, uh, some at high level, some are in the very down at the grassroots really trying to affect change. The commonality for all of this is people that are trying to make our city a better place, and that's so appreciated. So thank you so much. Appreciate all the, the support. Please like and subscribe. And as always, thanks for watching. All right, we're out of here. Let's eat. <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders. Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders is brought to you by Cooking Secrets for Men, LLC, and was recorded in the Third Ward in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We feature and profile community leaders who are trying to make Milwaukee a better place. The tagline is, serious people with serious jobs having a little fun. Our guests choose the recipes that we use on the show. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get great podcasts. The original YouTube video for this episode is available on our YouTube channel, Cooking Secrets for Men, all rights reserved. Thanks, and see you next time on Cooking with Milwaukee Community Leaders.